Intergalactic Crack. This is Arma Planetarium's podcast. So, hello, it's me again, back with regular sized tonsils. This is Courtney, and I'm once again joined by Heather. Hello, Heather. Hi, yeah, you've stopped gargling gravel, I see. I have, yes. I just, I don't think it was a good long term move, so I decided to stop doing that. Um, also, for anyone listening at home, you'll notice that our audio is a little bit different. We are recording from our own houses at the minute. Um, so it'll be better, hopefully. Yeah, it's like a rare working from home day. I feel, I f- it's weird. We're so used to being in the planetarium now that it's weird being at home and doing a wee bit of work. Yes, I, I, no, it, it's good. Um, and I'm back to my brother's gaming headset once again. Um, so big shout out to Cameron, thank you. And uh, Heather has her full professional mic set up with the pop filter and everything. She's outdoing me massively on this front. I look like I'm recording my album, but I'm not. <laughs> but no, it's it's good to have the old setup back because like, you know, we've been recording on our own headsets and work and yeah, the audio is maybe not being the best, but you know, it's it's nice to, to change it up a bit and have our, our pro settings again. Yes, it's good. And this is also a good one because we're back to just you and I mm-hmm. having a conversation about a topic that a lot of people are interested in. And this is something we do get asked quite a lot about. Yeah. Um, now, to set up the context for this topic, we do have to imagine a scenario in which, amazingly, humans don't fix climate change because we're, you know, doing a terrible job. I know oh you're God. really going to have to stretch your mind to imagine that scenario, <laughs> but say we don't. Okay. Where else could we live in the solar system is going to be the basis of this conversation today. And like, it's a really interesting thought as well. Like, you know, is there anywhere else out in the solar system we could live? And when you start looking down into the nitty gritty of it, you can, there's some really interesting facts out there, but it's still kind of like terrifying to me if we actually have to physically live somewhere else. It's not earth. So please don't, please don't destroy the earth people. Please take climate change seriously. (laughs) We want to stay here for the for the foreseeable. Yes, I mean, obviously we'll go through our options here. I have two, Heather has two. All of them are kind of fairly viable. They're things that scientists do look into. It's not mm-hmm. just like a, let's pick a random planet and see if we could live there. Like these are the ones that people have thought about. Um, but what you will notice is that it's all pretty difficult um, mm-hmm. surviving and thriving outside of our own little home planet will be difficult no matter how far away we go. Um, So really the take home is that we don't really want to have to use any of these options. Um, Fun to explore space, but not to live there. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just going to say this now from my two, I really don't want to live in these places. (laughs) Just after doing the research, I was like, no, no, no. Yeah, no. You know what? Our planet is very special and it is the only one in the solar system that has supported life that we have. Um, now, obviously, we could get into the nitty gritty of like Mars having like simple cells of life and water and all that stuff. But like they don't have us and yeah. we are complex beings with a variety of needs. And it's not just about survival. You have to consider long term living. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a degree of, for example happiness yeah not just just physically living but like hey am I happy enough here like yeah is every day a nightmare um (laughs) so we'll have to think about that too because short term of course we could survive somewhere you know the Apollo astronauts lived on the Apollo spacecraft because it took four days to get to the moon and four days back yeah but there's an end in sight there so if someone was to take you and move you to like somewhere else in the solar system where life is grim and there's no end in sight, that's different. Um, that's very different. So really, we don't want to have to use any of these options, but I think it's worth exploring and hopefully it'll bring it home just how good we have it here. Yeah, we, we do. We have it so good. Um, I'm just sitting here thinking, how are you going to scare the heck out of me today? Because I know you're going to. But well, maybe, maybe the, I can The do. real scary thing is yeah. climate change, Heather. Oh, 
yes <laughs> that's the terrifying reality um anything elon musk does is just hype hypothetical at this point um so i'm going to take the perspective of living on the moon or living on mars mm-hmm. and heather what are you going to look at i am going to see what it would be like to live on venus and to live on the moon europa which is a moon of jupiter um venus heather really yeah Venus. Do you want me to go first and explain why? Yes, because I, when I think of Venus, I think of the most hostile planet in the solar system. Mm-hmm. That like nothing could live there. It's yeah. a hellscape. It is. So, and this this is why it shouldn't ever, in my opinion, be a choice. But like scientists are looking at it now. Whenever I was doing my research, I all I can see is the negative. So any scientists out there that are thinking Venus is a viable place to live, please come and talk to me and make me no longer fear this absolute hell plane that is Venus. So I sort of attacked this, attacked it. Yeah, I came at this with, you know, I wanted to look at the points of Venus. So we've known Venus has existed for millennia. Like the ancient Egyptians knew that Venus was there. They may not have known that it was a planet, but they were the ones who coined it as, you know, the morning and the evening star. So they were aware that it was there. Um, And we've known very little about this planet for so long because of what it's like. So my first point, it's a point that you've already alluded to, is uh, it is the hottest planet in the solar system. I can barely myself withstand... 24 degrees celsius i am the most basic northern irish irish person that there is i cannot stand the heat and thinking about going to the hottest planet in the solar system is a major no for me so um the bulk of venus's atmosphere is made of carbon dioxide so an extreme emphasis on extreme greenhouse effect is warming the surface of venus so the temperature that is reached on venus all day every day is around 470 degrees celsius Hmm. sounds cozy i mean like do i want to go there no no simply because of of that it's just that's that is so hot that's twice as hot as the oven in my kitchen like i can crank that thing up to like 250 and it's just blazing there away but then there's something out in the solar system that is, you know, twice as hot as that. The surface is hot enough to melt lead. Lead. Actual lead metal. It's hot enough to melt lead. No, I don't want to go there. It's not somewhere where I'd want to go and live. But yeah. Yeah, that's that's my first point. Courtney's sitting here looking at me like, you know, why would anyone want to go and live there? It's really, yeah. it's really not. I really don't think Venus should ever be a viable option for us to go and live because for one of that, it's too hot. Um, another thing to say, we do take a mad notion and we do send humans there and there's a way for us to go on the surface with nothing bad happening. And we're okay to like build houses and we've colonized the planet. A day on Venus is longer than a year. So a day on Venus lasts 243 mm. Earth days. Like 243 Earth days is one day on Venus. It's because it spins really slowly. Yeah, so it's, that's how long it takes to make its one rotation. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of scientific debate as into why it takes so long. Um, uh, some people say, there was a, a thought that Venus had like once upon a time like flipped and it's like actually the whole planet had turned to 180 degrees um there that's actually maybe relevant more to something else but you know it's it's just it's so weird it is so weird so a, a year on Venus is only 224 earth days so if you ever think you're having that like, your day is never ending on Venus it really is never ending yeah I'm feeling to see the appeal of living here so far Heather yeah it's it's really it's like say I was like some sort of like estate agent trying to sell this to you there's no way I could sell this to anybody to make Venus completely viable 
Um, so alluding to like its slow rotation, um, Venus, it also, it spins in the opposite direction to the Earth. So like, you know, the Earth rotates anti-clockwise, whereas Venus rotates clockwise. Just to be different, just to be a little spicy. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, we we always refer to when we're talking to the public that, you know, Venus is Earth's evil twin because it's roughly the same size as the Earth. So that's probably why you can look at it and think, oh, it's the same size as the Earth. It might be a good place to live. But actually, it really is evil in, in my in my mind because like we turn anti-clockwise and it decides, yeah, I'm evil. I'm going to turn clockwise. So this is where, sorry, the, the axis uh, of rotation is actually inclined at uh, 177 degrees roughly with compared to the earth, which is only tilted 23.5 degrees. Yeah. So that sounds extreme. It's very extreme. And because, because of the planet's extreme slow rotation sunrise to sunset would take 117 earth days Mm. so the sun's just slowly crawling through the sky there your never-ending day of you know 243 earth days and the sun is only setting after 117 days and not only is it taking so long to set it's also the sun is rising in the west and setting in the east which is to me a total mind boggle we need to completely rewrite that beauty and the beast song or you know the the game of thrones quote you know i'll love you until the sun rises in the west and sets in the east just go to venus all right okay and then that's 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 it done then yeah that's it done you can just say goodbye to that person um so also we have then the pressure that's on venus do you know about the pressure on venus i know it has a lot of pressure compared to earth yeah um so the earth we are used to a certain amount of pressure here on the earth we are born in it we live in it we are used to it on venus the atmospheric pressure is like 90 to 100 times greater than that of the earth so it's like it's basically like going down into the ocean about one kilometer down the pressure it's the same pressure so you would be crushed heather how how could we live here how i can't see how we could honestly unless we make something that can withstand that pressure so you'd have to think of like super structurally intact buildings that can withstand pressure not only that there are like quakes on venus as well maybe not as bad as the earth but you know they're still looking into that um the heat you have to have something that withstands the heat if you're to go outside like that's the atmosphere is mostly carbon dioxide you're not going to breathe that there's also sulfuric acid just floating about um you have to have a suit that can withstand that like no just no I don't want to go to Venus this is not a choice and not only are we going to get crushed there's also all the volcanoes oh yeah yeah so this is just like the final you know I don't want to say nail in the coffin for Venus but really it is the final nail in the coffin for Venus but Venus has more volcanoes than any other planet in the solar system I mean, it's not, it doesn't sound like to me, like somewhere you'd go for a relaxing time. No. I mean, like in a previous episode, you talked about, you know, the super volcano here in the earth. And that was scary enough. On Venus, previous research suggested that there was like more than 1,600 major volcanoes, but that actually, it actually might be more. It might be 100,000 or even more than a million smaller volcanoes as well. Of course, why not? Why not? Yeah. There's a lot of debate as to whether they remain active um, as the planet's you know, extreme surface pressure and temperature makes it very difficult for probes to like last long, if at all, on Venus. And like the sulfuric acid in the clouds limits analysis from space. So, you know... Maybe it only does have 1,600 major volcanoes that are actually all sleeping, but still, 
you know, I don't want to go for a jolly holiday to somewhere where there's a volcano, there's like millions of volcanoes. <laughs> yeah. So like Venus, obviously you can see it in the night sky at the moment. Um, nice to look at from a distance. Mm-hmm. Not, not good to live on. No, let's keep it at arm's length, like extreme, extreme arm's length. I don't, if, if the earth is no longer inhabitable, habitable, whatever, don't go to Venus. It is not the best choice. Well, I think now we're going to go from an exciting option such as Venus to something we're maybe f- more familiar with and has much less going on on its surface. Um, so by comparison, mm-hmm. a bit different. I'm, of course, talking about our moon, so our natural satellite. Um, so obviously, Heather, humans have been to the moon before. And yes. they're all men because of the way things were. Women were not allowed to be astronauts. Um, oh, we're being joined by Heidi. Hello. Oh, yeah. The joys of working from home. We'll see if I keep this in or not. Heidi, would you like to come up? Okay. Um, hello. Come on. <laughs> hello, Heidi. So there's it's one thing to travel to the moon, look at some rocks, and come back again. No, I'm not. I'm not making fun of the Apollo missions. They were they did more than that. But essentially, what they did was a bit of space, looking about some experiments, and then came back again. Mm-hmm. Living yeah. there would be very different. Um, so for the Apollo missions, they had to carry a few days worth of food with them, and that was fine. Um, longer term, we would need to produce our food and our water and our breathable air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is going to be fun to edit. Um, okay, so. If you ask anyone what the first challenge is about moving to another planet or a moon, it's the breathable air. Yeah, because that's, do you know what, that's something I need. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And you know what, that's not too much for you to want. You should have breathable air. And you know what, unfortunately, on Earth, can't get that all the time, which is so fun. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Isn't that a fun thought? That is, What? We're talking about making clean air on the moon and we can't manage clean air on a lot of places on earth, but mm-hmm. let's just skip over that for now. Yes, we will. <laughs> um, so actually the lunar soil, so mm-hmm. that the dirt on the moon is 42% oxygen. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So using heat and electricity, we can actually harvest the oxygen in the dirt on the moon to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've actually NASA have made robots that are capable of doing this already. Brilliant! We're ahead of the game. So, like the air is actually not an issue. We do have the technology to do that. Um, the next thing is, of course, water. Uh, so harvesting the oxygen helps with developing water. The moon does not really have water of its own. Um, we think that there's some under, slightly under the surface ice on the moon that again robots could drill up um so this would be for drinking obviously as there are there's no weather on the moon so it doesn't rain so we can't harvest any rain water there's mm-hmm. no atmosphere so we will need to harvest it from the surface or make it chemically by combining hydrogen and oxygen um this will be tricky as hydrogen is famously very difficult to transport mm-hmm. um but they will have to send liquid hydrogen to the moon if they want to make water on the moon Sounds dangerous. It is dangerous. It is um, not great. Also, another problem with the lunar dirt, although it has a lot of oxygen, it's actually not great for growing things. So we will need to grow our own food. Um, it's not like the Martian soil. Moon soil doesn't have the like, I don't know how you would say, like manure and dirt and life in it that we need on earth to help us grow food but also there are a lot of toxic metals in the lunar soil which would need to be extracted yeah I don't I don't like toxic metals in my food no no it's not good um anyone who lived there wouldn't really be um feeling too good after eating their lunar food um it does have 
a lot of interesting things. So for example, we can build solar panels on the moon out of the lunar dirt. Okay, that sounds good. And guess what? No weather, no clouds. 365 solar power. Oh, that would be amazing. I mean, yeah. it'd be great if we could do that on the Earth, but, you know, kind of need clouds and atmosphere. Okay. Yes, we're very grateful for the clouds and the atmosphere, but 365 um, days of sunlight, so solar batteries would be great. Be um, so having power won't be a problem, which is good. Um, so we're thinking humans could put the big solar panels on the poles of the moon because mm-hmm. it gets the most sunlight. Um and then the base that we could build on the moon would enjoy permanent um, sunlight as well because there's no nighttime. So we wouldn't have to worry about having a lot of lights. True. Just on a very practical level. Yeah, but I, you know, I quite like nighttime. <laughs> I mean, having nighttime wouldn't really be a thing on the moon. Yeah. We would kind of lose our sense of day and night. I, I have had um, children in like school tours ask me about day and night in the moon, but like it doesn't have an atmosphere. So mm-hmm. it's not like the sky would ever be blue. It's just out into the blackness of space. Um, there is a nighttime side of the moon. Faces away from the sun. Yeah. It's but it's cold, really though. very, very cold. So we wouldn't want to be there anyway. Okay. Now you might wonder why would we go to all this hassle of... Mm-hmm. Transporting hydrogen, building a moon base, why would we want to live on the moon? Well, if you think about it, it makes a very good base to launch new missions from. Yeah. So, for example, launching rockets from Earth takes a lot of fuel. Earth's gravity is really good. We're a big fan of it, but it's very hard to leave the planet. Mm-hmm. And that's by design. Um, the moon has sick the gravity, so it's much, much cheaper to launch from. Yeah, okay, yeah. Also, the moon has a lot of natural building um, uh, resources. So, for example, they've actually already made, I'm not kidding you, the amount of things they've already made to sustain life on the moon. Um, They've made a machine that can compact the lunar dust into bricks so that humans could build igloos. Oh, moon igloos. Moon igloos would be the kind of structure that humans would live in. Can we call them minglues? That would be cute. Yeah. Because I think when people think of moon bases, they think of metal and glass and like those kind of materials. Yeah. When in reality, they wouldn't be good enough because the moon does not have an atmosphere that can protect us from the sun's rays. Mm-hmm. Whereas the moon igloos made out of the moon dust would be thick enough to protect us from the UV rays and UVB rays. I mean... Minglues. Let's let's just brand that right now. Um, copyrights, uh, intergalactic crack. Minglues. Yeah, and you know what? This thought of living on the moon, building things on the moon, that's actually been in the minds of scientists from like the seventies onwards. Once they realised that travel to the moon was possible and what we we could redo it, um, they were thinking about it. So, for example. There's an essay from Isaac Asimov that was actually published in 1988 in Popular Mechanics. Um, and then they reran it whenever President Trump, previous President Trump, um, put out an executive order that allowed companies to start mining the moon, which is a whole other thing. Um, but they put this out again because in 1988, he basically did a thought experiment of what life would be like to live on the moon. Um, I mean, he doesn't romanticize it at all. He basically mm-hmm. puts it as humans would do like a six month stint on the moon and then go back to earth and that it would be very much like you're there to work. It's a bit grim. You miss earth the whole time. You miss the sound of birds. You miss the smell of grass because that obviously doesn't happen on the moon. Yeah. Um, the way he thought about it in terms of time scale was that it would be started in the 1990s. <laughs> the first outpost would be established by 2005 mm-hmm. and by 2015 a permanently occupied moon base should be in existence ah right okay we're a bit behind we're i just want behind. to 
finish off my moon rant here with his last paragraph. It's only a couple of sentences. On the other hand, if affairs on Earth are so mismanaged that there seems to be no money or effort to spare for space, or if humanity concentrates its efforts on turning space into a military arena and is not concerned with peaceful development or expansion, or if humanity ruins itself forever by means of a nuclear war in the course of the next few decades, then clearly there will be no moon base and perhaps no reasonable future of any kind. (laughs) Oh my God, pathetic. (laughs) He's He's very funny. Um, it's a very well-written piece. It's called How We'll Live on the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a professor of biochemistry at Boston University still. So he's very much still in the science arena. Um, he sees colonization of the moon as almost like an inevitability. And in 1988, maybe the the, the effort was different. Um, but to be honest, we're not shooting for the moon anymore. We're shooting for Mars. Yeah. And like hearing you talk there, I mean, weighing up, you know, the first two, like Venus or the moon, which would you rather live on? The moon honestly seems viable. Like, you know, but as you say, I quite like um, the fact that maybe you're only going there for six months and then coming back. It would be like appeals. Like it kind of be like the ISS, but like more extreme. So Mm -hmm. it takes a few days to get to the moon. So there wouldn't be like a quick rescue or anything. Um. But it would be unpleasant Mm. for most people. It's kind of, I think people think of space travel and they think, oh, it'd be so fun. You would miss out on so much. Like you would miss like life. There is no life anywhere else. Yeah. It's just silent and dead and cold everywhere else in the universe that we know of. I blame Um, science fiction romanticizing (laughs) it all. (laughs) So I think it would very much be like, a conscription thing like you have to go there for a few months if you're involved in science and then you go back it wouldn't be something to enjoy it would be something you have to do for a while um so of course living on the moon is possible we do have the technology to do it but it would be expensive and at the minute why go to the moon if you could go to mars is the thought yeah okay well you know you've just talked about our moon I'm maybe going to bring us to a, a bit of a more far-flung stretch of the solar system and talk about another moon. Um, so I'm going to talk about Europa. Ooh. Now, when we were you know, talking about this and you mentioned to me like, you know, oh, Europa or Titan or whatever, I thought, right, well, I want to look at Europa because it's one of my favorite moons. Um, but again, I was like, oh, realistically, how could we live there? So Um, Europa is one of the Galilean moons, as we know, um, which was discovered in 1610. So we've known about it for a long time. But actually, we actually know not a lot about the surface of Europa. We know a good bit, but there are massive holes in our knowledge. So um, spacecraft have visited this moon over the years. But what I'm really excited for is the Europa Clipper mission which will hopefully give us more information about its surface and is set for launch in October 2024, fingers crossed, because we know from previous spacecraft, you know, that these things can get pushed back and back and back. What are, you, are you trying to say that the James Webb telescope was once again delayed by two days and it's now on the 24th and not the 22nd of December? <laughs> I am not implying or saying anything but October 2024 Europa Clipper mission quite excited for it. So the reason why we are interested in this moon is because we know that on the surface it's a big like ice moon but underneath is this vast salty ocean. And what scientists always say is where there is water there is life so there's a lot of interest in Europa's chemistry which I'll get onto in just a little while. So scientists are most certain that hidden beneath the icy surface of Europa is saltwater ocean thought to contain about twice as much water as Earth's global ocean. If you think about the Earth is big, Europa is obviously smaller than the Earth, but has more water on it than the Earth has. Well, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And the, the surface, the only thing I can really say about the surface is it's quite smooth this ice it's a bit like a billiard ball but it does have cracks in it it does have features there is a a, a crater 
that has a, as a, as a name uh, around one of the far sides of Europa. But I was looking at these different regions and one stuck out to me for all the right reasons. And it's called the Connemara Chaos. Ooh, I know. So the it's like a mosaic basically on the surface of Europa. So the mosaic of the Connemara Chaos region clearly indicates a relatively recent modification of Europa's surface. So indicating that there is activity underneath that ice. The ice rafts look a lot like what scientists see on Earth's poles, where large chunks of ice break away and move to new positions. Um, the blocks on Europa were shifted, rotated, and even tipped and partially submerged within a mobile material that was either liquid water, warm mobile ice, or an ice and water slush. So all this is coming from the Europa Clipper mission website. So please do go and check it out. They have made a fascinating website just says everything you need to know about Europa. Um, the presence of young fractures cutting through Connemara chaos indicate that the surface uh, froze again into solid brittle ice and scientists believe that this region may contain clues about the composition of Europa's ocean. So whenever the Clipper mission goes up, I'm really interested to see what scientists figure out because just the fact that there is another ocean in our solar system, is that not crazy? What I want to know is, are there space fish? That's my thought as well. Like, are we talking about alien mermaids here? Or like even just even just microbes? So we all know that the chemistry has to be right. You know, you have to have the right amount of oxygen, the right amount of carbon, the right, right, the right amount of chemicals to sustain life. And uh, Europa's chemistry, the chemical elements for life might be found within Europa's icy shell, as well as its ocean. This is why we need to do more research. Um, Europa is in quite an interesting position. It's not too close to Jupiter and it's not too far away either. I keep coining it as in it's like Jupiter's habitable zone. Mm. Yeah. Um, So tidal heating um, could be powering a system that cycles water and nutrients between the moon's rocky interior, ice shell and ocean, creating a watery environment that's rich with chemistry conducive to life. So do you know at the bottom of our oceans, there's those vents? Yes. Scientists are really thinking these vents might exist in Europa's ocean because the conditions, they could be right they could be rife for life to and that's where they think life came from here yeah like that's where they're they're guessing because like at the bottom of the ocean you know it's heated there's a lot of it's like a sip down there I know I just said sip and Courtney likes how I said say the word sip um sip like material sip that is that is where life started to form and if that can be found somewhere else in the solar system hey this is somewhere that we need to keep an eye on um so it's important that we know the chemistry of europa because it's important to understand if it's habitable or not um but all the thought of like could we live on the surface you know could we i'm thinking if we're to go there say if we have the best technology ever just put me under the water in like a submerged habitat and I think that would be cool see I'm having visions here of those really expensive hotels where like one of the rooms is underwater Mm -hmm. and it's entirely glass you can it's like you're submerged in the ocean I understand it wouldn't be quite like that but no I mean darkness would be your friend um this is true mm -hmm. oh dear yeah yeah but you know say if we could, you know, create, like we're, we have all the lights. It's not a problem. We're not going to be in total darkness. Actually, in my opinion, going underneath the ice and living in the water would be better. Maybe, who knows, we might evolve and we might become alien fish. Um, but realistically, if we're looking to live on Jupiter, we have to think, not on Jupiter, who wants to live there? That is definitely a no. On Europa, at the moment, we'd be thinking about us setting up on the surface. And this is where it's not great. Mm. So radiation and environment on Europa is a is a B. Insert whatever swear word after that letter B you want. Um, but Europa's surface is like blasted by radiation from Jupiter. Oh dear. 
completely blasted and that's a bad thing for life on the surface it couldn't survive um we would need to think about creating a habitat that's not that could survive this radiation but is also facing in the right direction so i read an article somewhere that you don't want to be in the trail of europa so that you have to be on the right side i didn't quite understand it but you would have to pick the right side to build your habitat on so that it's not completely being bombarded by radiation maybe only like half of it is it still doesn't sound at all good um anything radiation wise we really as humans don't want to get involved in it messes with our dna Mm-hmm. And this is where I actually looked in, into that and how much radiation would a human get if they were on your upper surface? Oh dear, Heather. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just trying to make you feel all weird inside because this is actually horrible. <laughs> so say we've tried to colonize Europa. Europa receives 5.4 sieverts or 500, uh, 540 rem of radiation per day. Um, these numbers could be a bit more, could be a bit less. It, that needs researched, which is approximately 1,800 times the average annual dose experienced by a human on Earth at sea level. Oh. Uh, humans exposed to this level of radiation for one day would have a greater than 50% mortality rate and would probably die within 30 days. Okay, um, I'm not getting big cozy vibes for Europa right now, Heather. Not on the surface, anyway. If we could somehow go underneath, that would be fine. Another final downside for the surface of Europa is the average temperature is about minus 183 degrees Celsius. Oh, is that all? That's all. That's all. So, you know, extreme radiation, extreme cold on the surface. However, probably a really nice environment for life to start underneath so I kind of I like Europa and I don't you know what Heather you can live there I am fine (laughs) I I don't want to but you go off be brave fine by me if if maybe the radiation might turn me into an alien mermaid I mean that's how we evolve yeah and I just am forever on Europa singing under the sea from little mermaids (laughs) swimming around enjoying life now Europa might be a curveball for a lot of people in terms of living outside of earth they mightn't have considered a moon of another planet an option Mm. um but we're gonna finish off here with the big boy the number one option the one scientists are like really going for it's of course Mars okay hit me with what you got now I know Mars is also your favorite planet I love Mars. It's just so interesting. Guess what, though? What? Difficult to live me. on. No. <laughs> so I, I, I'm gonna reference here an article by CNET, um, and they quote uh, SETI Institute Pascal Lee um, with regards to the science of this. It's called the terrifying reality of actually living on Mars. <laughs> oh no. Hmm. I'm going to start off with the way that they set the scene. So say you and I just went to Mars with basic camping gear. Right. We would eventually die of radiation poisoning. Um, But we'd freeze to death long before then, most likely on the first night when the temperatures dipped to Antarctic levels. But before then, we'd suffocate trying to breathe the atmosphere made up of mostly carbon dioxide. But before that, the very low atmospheric pressures on Mars would cause our blood to boil regardless of the temperature. Ah, uh-huh. right. Is this without any? So, right. This is just us with a tent, no suits, nothing. Just basic camping gear. Yeah. That sounds horrendous. So, basically, humans living on Mars will require a lot of things to adapt. It's not meant for us to live on. Mm-hmm. Earth is because we've evolved to live here we did not evolve to live on this other planet so it will not be easy um so (laughs) it might be better than venus for example so we will be melted when we step foot on the surface or you know it won't be like the moon where there's absolutely no atmosphere 
and it has a, a gravity issue but we would fizz to death because of the lack of pressure excuse me did you say fizz 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 to death that is a, that's not how I want to go that's not how anyone wants to go uh, this fizzing to death is Pascal Lee's term that he uses. Um, Thanks for that, Pascal. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. He, he does remind us that on Earth, we never have to worry about going full soda. Thanks to our atmosphere and the magnetic field. Full soda. I, this, this, you need to send me this article. I need to read it. It's actually a really good read. I would recommend it to anyone. Okay. Um, so on Mars, we'll need to have infrastructure to help us tackle these issues. So Mars is magnetic field, not that good. Its atmosphere, kind of thin, not that impressive. It let all the oceans boil away, remember, a few billion years ago? Yeah, yeah, that wasn't its finest moment. Yeah, so there's actually quite a lot to do to make it livable in any sense. Um, so, for example, you may have heard of this guy called Elon Musk. Um He's an ambitious guy. To to say the yeah the least. What where I can't believe we have to talk about this guy <laughs> in regard to this. We have to talk about him because yeah. his Mars thing is like his whole shtick at the minute. Okay. Um, he basically wants to be the first person to put humans on the surface of Mars. Now he did say he'd plan to do it by twenty twenty five. I don't see that happening. If you think about it, that's like four years away. Yeah, that just doesn't seem realistic to me. No. Um, but even if we take it that they do, um, the first people to arrive there will arrive in a SpaceX starship and they'll likely live in it and work out of it and, and try to slowly build up structures to live on and work on in Mars. Okay. Um, so it wouldn't be very exciting to live there you'd basically you spend eight months on the same ship to get there and then whenever you get there you have to live there and and basically it sounds like many hours of the day you'll be working basically working i did see that elon musk did put out a suggestion um because he obviously wants people to go to mars and work and he said don't worry about the transport costs you can work off your debt whenever you get there Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. So cool to be in debt to someone on another planet immediately. <sighs> that just that just sounds like tyranny. It is. It hundred percent is. Um Very tyrannical. Colonizing a planet is ethically questionable enough, but mm. to have basically one guy in charge of it at the minute, which is essentially what it is, because NASA don't have the funds to do it by themselves. Mm -hmm. Um it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll be looking forward to see how this evolves. Um, but every single thing that we do on Mars will have to be thought of from the ground up because we can't assume that anything works the same. Mm -hmm. um, the radiation is obviously a big problem. So we'll need special structures to help us keep out the radiation. The lack of atmospheric pressure and gravity means that the suits that we'll have to use to walk about on Mars will be very, very heavy. And very very pressurized mm -hmm. they've actually made these already and you can like take out a practice one on earth but it is extremely uncomfortable but to walk about on the surface of mars outside of a contained space like the, the spacecraft or settlements that we've built you will need a very special and heavy and intense spacesuit far less comfortable than the moon ones mm -hmm. um that just sounds I mean, I want to, I would love to go and have a wander around on the surface of Mars. Don't get me wrong, but that sounds just like so much toil and effort so far. It is. Um, now, living underground, living in these temporary structures isn't ideal. So I know some people will immediately be thinking, oh, that won't be forever because we'll do terraforming. Mm hmm. Terraforming will be incredibly expensive and it will take thousands of years. Mm -hmm. for it to take effect so this is a very much like a long-term plan and I think when people think of um you know terraforming they think of like oh it will turn it into like earth like green lush water birds plants mm -hmm. trees not really it'll still be Mars it'll still be kind of grim and inhospitable 
Now, we do need to like import methane or ammonia to make greenhouse gas effects take place to warm it up because Mars is absolutely Baltic. Mm -hmm. um, genius Elon Musk proposed nuking the poles of Mars to release the greenhouse gases. Because that shouldn't that be the answer to everything? <laughs> yes, bring nuclear warfare to other planets. Um, <laughs> the more traditional way to look at terraforming is actually so easy basically hold up big mirrors to the planet and reflect the light of the sun on the planet, concentrate it and warm it up. Okay, that sounds more pleasant and less nuclear winter. Less nuclear. Um, no, it is a very long-term thing and it won't ever be the same. As, it's not like we can make another Earth. The conditions on Earth are very specific. They're um, tied to the size of the planet, our position in the solar system. Mars is a whole planet away from the sun that is not an insignificant distance mm -hmm. um living on mars will never be comfortable but it may be what is necessary if we don't get our act together and stop destroying the planet because we are yeah and i mean i know i think i believe i again i said it earlier i blame science fiction this is me sitting here in my home office looking at all my star trek stuff um the the i do think people have a very again romanticized idea of terraforming and that you're quite right in saying it's this is going to take a long time it's not just going to happen overnight and it's not going to turn it into a lush green environment mars will stay the way it is it won't magically start looking different <laughs> no that like the chemical composition of the planet is different like it's covered in iron oxide. Mm -hmm. That's like our our Earth never was. You know, it's it's a completely different beast. Um, and obviously, it did used to have water, but it wasn't like the same water that we have on Earth. Again, it was different. Um, for humans to survive on Mars, it'll be expensive. It'll take thousands of years to make it doable and habitable. Really, yeah. For any quality of life, what we've talked about there is just about making it baseline livable yeah not that anyone would even be remotely happy about it and isn't it a thing that like the percentage of actually successfully landing stuff on mars at the moment is quite low so i would want that success rate to be at at least 100 percent no not at least at 100 percent more than 100 percent before i would send humans there and elon musk wants to do this by 2025 mate catch yourself on it's extremely difficult to land things on Mars. I mean, how many little rovers over the course of time oh. have just been lost to exploration? Oh. You know, it's just, it's an extremely hard thing to just even put a hunk of metal on Mars, never mind people mm -hmm. with needs, thoughts, feelings. Yeah. Um, complicated bodies that need special pressures and temperatures. And we're actually really high maintenance um, we as a species. Um, it just so happens that we've we've got a planet that we were built to survive on. Mm -hmm. um, we were not built for anything else in the solar system. No. And just like you going through, like us going through all of that there, it really does hit home that the Earth is all we got, people. Yeah, not to be a total bummer, but like um, it's literally our place that we are made to be on mm -hmm. and the other options we could possibly survive elsewhere so we could survive on the moon in a few hundred years we could survive on mars eventually but it won't be the life that we're used to no and like if the human race has shown anything is you know we're used to our home comforts we are set in our ways having to try and adapt to something new is very difficult for us yeah i mean what I would say is humans are really good at very quickly changing their minds. I mean, for example, just over the past few years, like the world completely changed there. Mm -hmm. And now it seems normal to like, very true. you know, and then we were at home for months and that was normal then. And like, it would be adaptable in the future at some point, but just imagine what we'd lose. Like yeah, birds. Oh, sheep. No, dogs. Yes, Heidi's oh. currently beside me right now. Heidi could not make it on Mars. Like, 
No, I mean, I always say it like, you know, yeah, I could, I could totally be on Mars, but no, I really, I really couldn't. I like looking at Mars from a distance. It's like Venus. Let's, I am quite happy to keep Mars for myself at arm's length. There are other people out there who genuinely want to live on Mars. Power to you. You go for it. I am staying here. Like there, the people, people have signed up in their droves to go to Mars. Yeah, do you um, remember that Mars One program? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, they're very brave, um, yeah. but it's not for everyone. Yeah. Like I know, I think I did, did meet uh, a person who had signed on to Mars One and was getting through it quite, quite good. And like, they're just positivity and enthusiasm about living on Mars. I was like, you're a very, very brave individual. You go for it. I'm not. So in terms of the options we talked about today, mm-hmm. Mars is by far the most viable and it's the one that most scientists are like this is doable within the next few decades that we could have humans living there for a while Mm -hmm. um but that's the best option (laughs) I know and it's grim (laughs) yeah basically anywhere other than earth grim stay on earth people yeah so take home is that we should look after our planet and coming in the new year we will have a special climate-based episode mm-hmm. um where we're going to talk about all things climate with education officer anna taylor who's on our team and uh she is a climate specialist at the minute doing loads of the climates so that'll be a very interesting episode to listen to mm-hmm. it'll be released for the ni science festival which is the northern Ireland science festival um so we're going to have maybe an overall theme of climate so if you are in the area in northern ireland in february there's gonna be a lot of fun things happening um in the planetarium yeah um so with that heather mm, i do you know what there's so many ways to get in touch with us courtney because i'm pretty sure people are going to have thoughts and feelings about where we could live is there a planet b that sort of thing you can reach out to us on facebook twitter instagram um you can also email us at podcast at arma.ac.uk we do love to hear from you um if you want to talk to us about anything or want us to cover a certain topic please do drop us an email and um i do also courtney i i feel like i haven't asked you this question in so long but it's <laughs> something i really really need to do but um do you need some space not only do I need some space but I need some earth because <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's on earth coffee <gasps> coffee yes good shot okay <laughs> see you next time see you next time guys Observatory and Planetarium is a registered charity and part of the Northern Ireland Government Department for Communities. To find out more about AOP, follow us on Facebook, Twitter at Armagh Planet, Instagram at Armagh Planet, YouTube at Armagh Observatory and Planetarium, or check out our website where we host our blog, Astronauts, www.arma.space.